Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK, and we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. Incredibly, 1974 saw the second Bond film in as many years. Imagine that now. And this one was The Man with the Golden Gun. What do you know about a man called Scaramanga? The man with the golden gun. He always uses a golden bullet. This trinket was sent with a note requesting special delivery to you. I have never seen Mr. Scaramanga. Mr. Bond, this is impossible. I can't... I can't tell you. Don't kill me. Who? Scaramanga. Roger Moore, back in action in the exotic east as James Bond. 007 on a collision course with the most dangerous man alive. The man with the golden gun. Hold on, sir. James Bond, on the job. The girls are willing. I've dreamed about you setting me free. The pace is killing
there, good night. We've got you spotted. How about a demonstration, boy? Certainly, sir. You'll meet old friends and new enemies. It's non-stop bomb. The action is spectacular. You're not. I sure am, boy. Reaching a new high for 007. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. I am Nick Nut. Monsieur Scaramanga will welcome you personally. The target is the highest priced killer in the world. He plays a deadly game, and the stakes are sky high. So I'm here at Berry View. I'm back where it all began. I don't think I've seen one of the Bond films in fact here since uh, Thunderball, I don't think, actually. But very privileged, as ever, in the UK to be able to watch James Bond on the big screen. And tonight, it's possibly my go-to Bond. If I'm ever in a bit of a downer, it's either this or A View to a Kill. So I can't wait to see The Man with the Gun and the Gun tonight on the big screen. I've seen it many, many times, and my love for it only grows. I know it's one where people sort of say they love it as a kid and then as they grow up they realise it was terrible but I think that's completely unfair there's so much to love we did a massive review at least a year ago now and there's so there's so many iconic things in it that you can't just sort of write off and say that it's a silly film I'm, can't, I cannot wait to see that opening shot of the uh, of the island, Scaramanga's Island that pre-title sequence has got to be up there with the best and the way that it comes back at the end is nothing short of cinema magic in my in my eyes it's got one of the best villains in Scaramanga Christopher Lee is, is unbelievably good he must be in the top few villains in the entire series and then you've got John Barry's score which is so underrated even by him and Roger Moore the, the controversial performance you know I'm, I'm interested to see what the audience think of it because some say you know after a great day being living let die he just it veers too much towards Sean Connery I still think it's appropriate for the type of mission that he's on and the, the type of thing that James Bond, you know, Ian Fleming's 007 agent would do in the circumstances. But the, the main reason we all come to watch this film, forget all that, forget the locations, forget the classiness, it's got to be J.W. Pepper, Nick Knack, Lieutenant Hip, people dressed up as statues, fighting, gangsters, um, a plastic James Bond, a third nipple, a corkscrew jump, a karate class with kicking in faces and um, and then uh, putting someone's head through a melon and uh, certainly the other the other great thing of course are those two amazing uh, nieces of Lieutenant Hips which uh, pretty much steal the show so I don't care what you think I love this Bond film I'm going to enjoy it now on the big screen see you later kids time for more Bond again and unfortunately once again I'm not seeing this with the guys very very busy few days coming up for everyone so it's a bit difficult however I thought it's 
Roger Moore, it's the man with the golden gun, so I'm just going to watch it tonight. Super, super excited for this one. As I mentioned last time, the man with the golden gun is a film that I prefer to Live and Let Die, even though, as I said, Live and Let Die is great. But I just get so much out of the man with the golden gun. So much comedy in this one. Quite less eerie, but still some creepy elements to this film. More Sheriff J.W. Pepper. Unnecessary this time. However, I would not remove him at all. So hilarious. He's so out of place. He should not be in this film, but so glad that he is. Character-wise, it's actually been seven years this week since Christopher Lee passed away. So it's actually going to be really nice to sit down and watch this film to kind of mark that. You know, for me, is one of one of his great performances. He's absolutely above and beyond in this film. He does such a good job. So, Scaramanga, I think most people would say that he's one of their favourites. He's such an iconic villain. He's so suave. He's so cool and contained. He's he's not. I can't say he's larger than life, but the world that he lives in is larger than life. You know, his his island, his his work, the way he works. You know, there's it's just so good, and you know. I think one thing that really helps Scaramanga is Nicknack. Hervé Villachey is such a fun presence. I love it when he's on screen. He just adds to every scene that he's in. And so it's just going to be nice to see him. Maud Adams, Andrea Anders is a character who feels kind of out of place in the film because I just feel so, so bad for her. I feel like there's, there's a pattern in some of these films now coming up where there's just a female character who just really gets the short end of the straw and it's just really gutting to see what happens with Andrea because you kind of really root for her. I mean, I root for her anyway. Um, and it just feels like she's, you know, she's the one who, you know, sets this ball rolling. She gets the film started. And so I actually kind of prefer Maud Adams' performance here to Octopussy just because I get so much more from her in so little. So it'll be great to see her. Then we have, <laughs> then we have Mary Goodnight, Britt Eklund. Goodnight, I think, is, is, is the female character that is the one that's made this stereotype of what a Bond girl is, that she's a klutz ditzy person who's just there to wear a bikini and look good and i think it mostly stems from good night just because good night doesn't do too much to actively help the plot she actively helps move it along but it doesn't mean that she's actually actively doing it in a positive way but once again she's very entertaining she's so funny she has so many fun lines Yes, she, you know, is more of a damsel in distress. We are in this kind of era where there is, where Roger has to help a woman at the end. I mean, it's kind of a running theme in some of these films now. But no, I, I, I think she does, add, she does add something to this film and that's good. And, you know, as you know, everyone would say, she looks fantastic. But it, it really is the humour. You know, I think Live and Let Die kind of sets up what a Roger Moore film could be. The Man with the Golden Gun takes it to the next level and adds the humour. I think unfortunately maybe the story isn't the strongest and I think really The Spy Who Loved Me is where they find that good balance of what the story is and you know the humour and you know Roger's character of James Bond I think that it all comes together there. The Man with the Golden Gun is a little bit short you know in some of the areas but I would have to say the locations in this film are fantastic. On top of that is the set design especially for Scaramanga's Funhouse. Everything there is amazing. And the music, it, this is another one of my favourite soundtracks it's a you know john barry does so good and um, it's his first roger film and yeah i just it's so beautiful i think even though he may say that he will he may have said that the man with the golden gun was not you know his favorite theme probably you know one of his weakest i think 
the song can transform into so many things and it's just it, i think it is such a beautiful piece when it's just an orchestration so i'm very excited to hear that yeah just there's a lot to love in this film i it, and it also has one of my i think it could actually be my favorite james bond stunts with the barrel roll with the car with the i think it's the amc hornet but i absolutely love that i don't completely disagree with people saying that the, the the slide whistle is out of place but at the same time this is not casino royale this is not quantum of solace or skyfall this is the man with the golden gun this is not <laughs> the most down-to-earth james bond film in the world you know and there's so much humor in it i don't think the whistle it doesn't take me out of it anyway i can understand why it does but i think at the same time it just adds because there's no music i've seen edits where it's just the car sound and i, I think it's okay but i just think you need something there you know maybe it should have had a bit of music there but no, I'm so looking forward to see, see that on the big screen. Yeah, so I'm going to be uh, setting off shortly, so I will report back later, and I hope you all enjoy. Hello, this is Gary Kay at the Odeon Cinema in Bath, just about to go in to watch The Man with the Golden Gun. Really looking forward to watching Roger Moore's second Bond film. It's a lot of fun, and I've never seen this on the big screen before, so thoroughly looking forward to this experience. Looking forward to seeing the exotic locations for this film, as well as that fantastic jump across the bridge the broken bridge and hearing another fantastic john barry score through a cinema sound system speak to you later the sides are a bit off you have five fingers the butt is balanced for the pressure of three that is why you were one inch too low here you will find only craftsmanship and quality mass production your water PPK, for instance. I leave to others. What about ammunition? Designed to individual requirements, whatever they may be. In gold, if I wanted. I have already done that for a client. I know you have. Francisco Scaramanga. My relationship with a client, Mr. Bond, is strictly confidential. Like a doctor, priest with a penitent. Of course. Yet you make guns for fingerless hoodlums, bullets for assassins. Mr. Bond, bullets do not kill. It is the finger that pulls the trigger. Exactly. I'm now aiming precisely at your groin. So speak or forever hold your peace. I've never seen Mr. Scaramanga. On a cost per bullet basis, he must be your best customer. That is true, but unfortunately he seems only to fire them occasionally. When was the uh, last shipment? Mr. Bond, this is impossible. I cannot. You're quite right. An inch too low. I've just completed an order for immediate delivery. Who collects them? I swear I do not know. My instructions are to go to the casino. I am paid and they vanish. Hello, my name is Noel. I'm from Dublin in Ireland and I saw The Man with the Golden Gun on the big screen last night, which is a Saturday night. There's about 15, 20 people there, which I thought was a good showing. When I was a young fella growing up, I never really liked The Man with the Golden Gun. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager sitting down to watch it one night and because I hadn't remembered it too well, I was really surprised by what I saw, but I think what attracted me to it as a film was the fact that it wasn't this large-scale, spectacular, it was quite small-scale, very intimate, small cast. 
and if you look at Roger Moore's Bond movies I always split them up into two parts the first three films he did then from Moonraker onwards his performances had a lot more compassion he was smiling a lot more warmth to them that's not really present in his first three movies particularly here in Man with Golden Gun one of the reasons why I really like this movie is because of Roger Moore's performance where at times he comes across as being a bit of a prick He's quite callous, quite irritable, impatient. Doesn't seem to be too remorseful about Maud Adams being shot dead. He's more interested in getting the Solex. His interaction with Christopher Lee as well, there's a nice bit of spice there and a bit of personal begrudgery going on. He obviously took an approach to the character of James Bond in those first three movies. And I find that fascinating. In terms of watching the film last night in the cinema, there were two scenes that really jumped out to me. Bond is flying towards Scaramanga's island and he has to fly in, in and out between all the other islands. There's some beautiful aerial photography there. It really gave the impression of being up there with him. And then there's the other scene in Beirut. And this is, of course, the big fight scene that happens in the belly dancer's changing room. And people often talk about Daniel Craig being this tough, violent bond but you look at that scene and particularly it being roger moore it's really violent for him uh, there's blood in it he's quite vicious in it at times there's a moment where he goes over to one of the assailants and he grabs him by the head and he starts smashing it off the wall several times it's almost like he's taking it personally and there's a lot of little moments in man with the golden gun that i like but i always love the scene in the karate school and just after he's punched Chula in the face and jumped through the wall, just before Bond runs off to get into the car, he just gives this defiant stare towards the head guy of the school. And then John Barry's Man with the Golden Gun music kicks in and then he runs off. The Man with the Golden Gun on the big screen, it's kind of the last Bond movie of its kind somewhat. When you look at Diamonds, Living at Die, Man with the Golden Gun, they kind of form a bit of an unusual trilogy where the Bond movies weren't really sure where to go. The films had left the 60s where the whole spy craze was very appealing to the public. By 1974, it had probably gotten a little bit worn out. So there needed to be, again, another course correction and three years later we would get it. But that's another movie. Please? I can't manage. Oh, you could open a door for me, then. I open champagne? Uh, no, it's a surprise. Oh, a surprise. <laughs> well, my word, I've just come out of the man with the gun and gun here at Berry View, and I, I'm just bowled over again. Uh, the greatness. I think it, it's summed up best by Christopher Lee himself in that amazing dining scene with Bond at the end when he says he wants to create an undisputed masterpiece. And I think, I think he did, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the irony, of course, his next line is by killing 007. And of course, the masterpiece where Bond dies was, was yet to come in no time to die. So there we go. It's all very fitting, isn't it? But this is a completely different, I mean, if you if you just seen this in isolation, again, a bit like Live and Let Die, you must be thinking, what on earth is going on? It's, it's a very odd film. It starts off like a fairly routine Bond adventure, doesn't it? And then... That middle act is an absolutely nuts, doesn't make any sense. It's the most fun sequence after sequence in the whole franchise for me. You know, 
none of it makes sense, like I say. Karate, um, <laughs> statues, JW Pepper, Solex, high fat getting killed. Not a clue. Still haven't really a clue what it all means. I don't care. I loved it. But that final act is just devastatingly good. And on the big screen, I think perhaps it isn't it isn't one of the, the most sort of ones you have to see on the big screen in terms of the spectacle I mean things like we saw United Thunderball and You Only Live Twice I mean those are just crazily good um, on the big screen in terms of the scope the picture the uh, the music and everything but this was just a fuller experience when you get to sit down watch the story unfold you know what's coming of course and there's so many great moments so many great characters Bond it's definitely the hardest Roger Moore performance in terms of overall. Yes, of course, in Fiora's Only, there are moments when he does go pretty nuts. But, you know, th- this is like a consistently hard-nosed and really cocky, really unlikable at times. But, amazingly, I think it works, like I say. I think it, it's only Roger could do it for this kind of, this kind of film. It does follow on a bit from the previous two Guy Hamilton ones, so, you know, perhaps Sean in his diamonds mode could have done it, although he's perhaps a bit too light in that. This is this is really dark, but, but I was absolutely loving it. The, first of all, the score again. I know George Martin rightly received loads of praise for the Live and Let Die score. This is back to John Barry, and it's, it's so good. The song is brilliant, and the way it's woven into the soundtrack is second to none for me. So... I'm coming out singing that Lulu song, hands, fists in the air. The audience, actually, there were loads more kids than normal, um, which was really good. Yeah, there were, I don't know, maybe 15 people in there, but I reckon about eight of them were kids, which is great to see. And this is one that the kids are going to love. I know uh, Ernie's going to be taken to this one. And uh, Rob's kids saw it last week on on the, the Blu-ray edition, so my word. They all absolutely loved it, and you can see why. And I actually watched the, the Jurassic Park film this week as well, and that's a real one where the kids are pretty much entertained for you know nearly two and a half hours. And of course, you know, a lot of them keep going to the loo and getting a bit restless, but in this, this is a two-hour, nearly 50-year-old film. None of the kids left. They were all glued to the screen the whole time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah... Tells its own story. Maybe people think it's one that's a bit too juvenile and not not as flowing, but I think it's both. At the end of the day, it's just a fun, entertaining Bond film, and uh, thank goodness it's in that canon. Really looking forward to discussing it a bit more. If you haven't heard our ridiculously long review of it, that's available, and it's going to be on YouTube soon, so check that one out. Looking forward to The Spy Love Me, obviously. I mean, who doesn't love The Spy Love Me? And uh, I think that'll be a huge audience for that one. Signing out, how good is The Man with the Golden Gun? Hello, this is Gary Kay again. Just been to see The Man with the Golden Gun and have to say that I thoroughly enjoyed the experience overall. The transfer this time of the film was very, very good, it has to be said. Um, I thought the colours were vibrant. There's a great deal of detail. Picked up on um, some little bits in the background of scenes that I hadn't noticed before, which is great seeing on the big screen. Also, the impact of certain scenes was heightened by seeing it on a large cinema screen. One of the scenes that I never thought would look significantly better at the cinema was the um, aerial shot of the wreck of the Queen Elizabeth ship 
in Hong Kong Harbour. And that just looked incredible, seeing that on its side, the scale of it, um, which is completely lost watching it at home, even if you've got a large widescreen television. Other sequences that I really enjoyed watching at the cinema today were the sequences around high fat grounds, um, the amount of detail, it looked absolutely glorious in because of the colours were so vibrant, it just made those exotic locations look that much more spectacular, seeing it um, projected onto a large screen. The aerial shots, of course, of the um, of islands where Scaramanga's bases, those also looked amazing on the big screen, which um, kind of expected beforehand, but they didn't disappoint at all and also the interiors of uh, High Fats residents and also Scaramanga's base. The amount of detail again, really, really lovely imagination and thought gone into it. Always enjoyed the sequences with Scaramanga's fun palace at the beginning of the film and also at the climax of the film. Just beautifully realized sets with John Barry's score as well behind it. It really heightens the tension in those particular scenes when it's uh, Scaramanga against either the mobster at the beginning of the scene or Roger's Bond at the uh, end of the film. Just wonderful sequences. One of the th interesting things about watching all of these Bond films back to back is realization that the 60s period of the Bond films really was a golden age. It was classic after classic. We come to the 70s now, incredibly fun films, very enjoyable to watch. But the script's a little bit uneven, I thought, on this particular one. For me, this is probably the weakest of Roger's seven Bond films. Having said that, and this is um, the strength of Roger's performance in all seven films and also how much fun was injected into these films, they, they still remain incredibly entertaining films. And this, if, if even if this was the um, the weakest, which obviously is just my personal opinion on it, of his films, it says an awful lot of how great all seven of his films, including The Man with the Golden Gun, are. The fact that they remain so entertaining. People in the audience, I mean, it was only about 20 of us there watching the film, but people were clearly very entertained by what was going on. They were laughing throughout. And I'm sure I overheard a few people commenting on at the end of the film how much they'd enjoyed it. So that says an awful lot of how great the film really is. It's just that um, you can't help yourself comparing it to the others, particularly when the next film is The Spy Love Me, which is my absolute favourite of the Bond films. The other thing that um, I do miss on The Man with the Golden Gun and with Live and Let Die is the lack of the scope ratio, um, the full widescreen cinema experience. Um, it does feel a little bit like bits are missing from the side of the picture at times. Um, certainly The Man with the Golden Gun I think really would have benefited from a scope ratio and I really don't understand why the decision was taken on Live and Let Die and Man with the Golden Gun to go back to a non-scope ratio. Thankfully, however, The Spider Loved Me that follows on and all the other Bond films are filmed in scope, so you really do get the um, epic cinema experience when you watch the uh, subsequent films. Anyway, back to Man with the Golden Gun. One of the great things about the film is the fact that you've got um, John Barry scoring the film, with the score adding so much to tension and just driving the action and the pace of the film along. Lulu's title song, never been one of my favourites. Don't dislike it. Um, however, I must admit, I really quite enjoyed it this evening, um, hearing it through the cinema sound system. The lyrics, of course, are um, more than a little bit suggestive. 
and uh, Morris Binder's accompanying title sequence, when you see it on the large cinema screen, also has its ris- more than usual risque moments, even by Morris Binder's standards. But there's an awful lot of humour in there with um, both the lyrics and with the title sequence. So all in all, great fun. Another thing that looked um, superb on the cinema screen and um, with this particular presentation was um, Roger's safari jacket, which he absolutely rocked in this uh, film. I should imagine that if the 007 store put them on sale replica copies, they'd probably sell an awful lot of them. Roger's really eased into Bond by this film, although he's still to hit his peak in the role in the subsequent film, Spy Love Me Onwards. Christopher Lee is absolutely superb as Scaramanga. Certainly one of the best points about The Man with the Golden Gun is his performance in the film. He has so much screen presence and he lends a real weight in his performance to the role. Britt Eklund's Merry Goodnight um, has to be said, not one of the best um, written female characters in the Bond series. However, I think that Britt Eklund did her absolute best with the role and she's very likeable on screen very good in the comic moments as well Hervé Villachez as Nick Knack another highlight of the film absolutely superb as the henchman butler of Scaramanga such a quirky character and so very memorable for all the right reasons Sheriff J.W. Pepper is played by the excellent Clifton James I thought that the character would have been kind of shoehorned into the uh, film. It may be down to the fact that Tom Mankiewicz didn't have sufficient time for rewrites of the script um, to really polish it, but it felt like the character had just been forced in there, um, which is a shame because um, such a great character in Live and Let Die, and also I didn't like some of the dialogue that he wrote for him. One sequence that did surprise as being a lot better on the cinema screen that I haven't mentioned so far is the fight at the karate school with Roger Spawn. It was great seeing that Roger Roger was very involved in that sequence. The cinema screen's very unforgiving if something's not done very well. That really did look excellent. Very well choreographed, very well edited. Overall, funny experience this evening. It may not be my favourite of Roger's Bonds, but I still had a great time. Thoroughly entertained as I am with all of seven of his films. And can't wait for The Spy Love Me next week, which is my absolute favourite of his films. And... At the moment, my absolute favourite of the Bond films as well, overall. Anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed their viewing experience of The Man with the Golden Gun that went to the cinema this week to see it. And those of you that haven't been seeing the Bond films on the big screen yet in the UK, please do try and go if you can, because it's definitely worth seeing them. So much better than watching it at home on the television. Hope you're all well and speak with you soon. And thank you to the really 007 podcast guys for um, putting out these great podcasts. Oh, you're hurting my arm. I'll break it unless you tell me where those bullets go. No, I can't. Try. Don't kill me. Who? Ah! I can't tell you. Go, man, go. You see what you can do when you try? You work for him? I don't work for him. His army, I'm his. So he's a lover too? Only before he kills. Bullfighters do the same thing, claims it improves the eye. 
His eye is on me. Where can I find him? I don't know. I don't know. I said where? I don't know where. He doesn't tell me everything. I know he has a date at the Bottom Sub Club tonight. How will I recognize him? Tall, slim and dark. So is my aunt. Anything distinctive about him? Yes, but how can I... He's not like other people. He has three. Fascinating anatomical tidbit. But probably the most useless piece of information I ever heard. Unless, of course, the bottoms up is a strip club and Scaramanga is performing there. You'll have to do better. He usually wears a white linen suit, black tie, and jewelry, all gold. You're improving. I don't want you to twist my arm again. I don't want to either. So I'll tell you what you're going to do, Miss Anders. You're going to take those golden bullets to Mr. Scaramanga, because if he doesn't get them, he may not show up at the bottoms up. And I want him there. Why should you trust me? I don't. But neither will Mr. Scaramanga trust you if he hears about this interesting little conversation. Who knows? He may even use one of those little golden bullets on you. That would be a pity, because they're very expensive. I'll take them to him. Let's drink to that. Bottoms up. Sorry, it's Darren Bithell here again with my take on TMWTGG, which is an acronym for the James Bond film The Man with the Golden Gun. Yes, I didn't find an alternative take on that acronym in another humorous attempt to commence this review, though it does sound like the name of a remote Welsh village. So Live and Let Die was successful. It did bigger business than Diamonds, it established Roger Moore's The New Bond, and production was quickly ordered to commence Golden Gun as soon as to keep momentum going. It's a well-used cliché because it's a very good one, but Golden Gun does represent the difficult second album in the Roger series. There is more of a Connery hangover in this film than his predecessor, which is strange given how successful Live and Let Die was. In the space of 20 minutes, Roger says that most famous of introductions twice, as if he must be convinced he is James Bond. In fact, three times if you include the scene where he's impersonating Scaramanga at high fats. Secondly, the suave and sophistication that Roger oozed has been replaced with a performance that, to be honest, may well have included Roger's Paul impersonation of Sean that he did in many a chat show, to emphasise the one fear he had in taking over the role. It's not a bad performance, in fact in some scenes he's superb, for example the Lazar meeting and of course his scenes with Scaramanga. However, for the rest of the film he looks at times uncomfortable, as if he's literally trying to break into a new pair of shoes. I don't know whose idea it was to make Roger into a Sean Fleming type Bond. There were well-known disagreements flying around behind the scenes which may have played a part in all this, but there is a feeling that Roger's being pulled from pillar to post in this film. I always associate Golden Gun with being a Christmas Bond, as I remember this Bond was on Christmas Day or maybe Boxing Day in 1985 when I had my new snooker table. Aww. I remember Moonraker was on Christmas Day the previous year, but I recorded it as my sis and I were too busy learning our new Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Or was that in 1986? Anyway, whatever year, that's the Commodore audience lost. Fooey yuck. 
Whenever the urge may arise to watch Golden Gun, in short, this always sits in the middle of the Sheriff trilogy. It's not as capering as Diamonds, but it's not as dark as Live and Let Die. But it has some of the best and worst of each film. But isn't it funny how films come back into fashion these days? I mean, what we would do now to have a Solex agitator these days? The pre-title sequence is a goodie, perhaps too good, as the real battle between Bond and Scaramanga feels a little anticlimactic as a result. The main titles are average, rather like the theme song itself, but given I believe John Barry had three weeks to complete the score, there were some very nice touches, especially Scaramanga's Funhouse, Hip's Trip, and Chumi in Grizzlyland. No, that wasn't an invitation. The plot of the film hangs together rather well, but the film itself just seems to run out of steam in the middle section. It's still entertaining, but the production values are at times in the same league as Diamonds. What saves this film is the majestic performance of Christopher Lee. When some of the Bonds were last shown in the cinema prior to the release of Spectre, View gave the audience a chance to vote for a Bond film of their choice, and they chose this, because it was just after Lee's passing. And it is a fine tribute to him. The dark side of Bond is another well-used cliché used to describe Bond villains, but you can put that case easily for Scaramanga, and Lee effortlessly brings the menacing heartlessness into the character which is so much more fleshed out than in the novel. The scene in which he rubs the golden gun on Anders' body is extremely uneasy to watch. Secondly, there are what are now known as the James Bond Islands, which easily are the most memorable and beautiful locations since arguably Piz Gloria. The final element that stands this film out is the astral spiral jump. But, and there is a but, why did they have to show it in slow motion? It is a thing of beauty, in fact Guy Hamilton argued that he looked too perfect and wanted another take. But the wow factor is gone when it's slowed down, with or without a swanny whistle. Some stunts work well in slow motion, as the next film clearly showed, but not with this stunt which is a shame because the rest of the action sequences appear stiff at times and lacking any nitro. The cast are overall good. I know a lot of vitriol is thrown towards the character of Mary Goodnight, but with what she has, Chris Eklund is fine. Maud Adams is excellent as the ill-fated Andrea Anders, but the main Bond girls in this film for me are Hip's nieces, Char and Nara. The final kick they deliver puts Thumper into place into how to perform such an act and reminds me of Casino Royale in an uncomfortable way. Uh, the villages, knick-knack is an entertaining novelty, but like Bond, I want him to shut up towards the end. What should have remained a novelty is Sheriff J.W. Pepper. It was a bad idea to bring him in this film. Whatever un-PC elements were deemed as humorous whilst in his parish, they now become uneasy when being a tourist. It's a desperate cash-in from Live and Let Die, more desperate than Jaws, I would say and doesn't fit at all in this film. The ally of the film, Lieutenant Hip, is fine, and assisted in having two different voices throughout the film. The Bond family are always good. Bernard Lee especially, who gets grumpier and grumpier as each film passes, and he has the best line in the film, and husbands, chefs and tailors all unite. This isn't meant to be a backhanded compliment in any way, but when Desmond Llewellyn returns, you realise you missed him in Live and Let Die. So the 4K presentation of Cheshire Oaks was free from juddering cuts from scene to scene, and all remained intact. What was really strange was that before the main feature, they suddenly decided to show a trailer celebrating 60 years of Bond and promoting all the films being shown in the cinema, which is a bit like closing the stable door after the horse has bolted, given we're now nine films into the run. At first the screen and sound were a bit on the cloudy side, but once the main titles came in, all appeared clear, perhaps too clear. 
Watching it on the big screen does emphasise that this does feel more like a TV movie compared to the others, and really brings one to notice the rather awful suits Bond and Scaramanga have to wear. It was also made clear when Bond met Chu Mi that more pruning was needed in High Fat Garden. Try explaining that to the kids. Perhaps that was the reason why there wasn't any this time round in this screening. In fact, I'd say it was about half the attendance of last week. Again, it's the score that benefits the most from this presentation. The reception of Golden Gun upon its release was tepid compared to others, which I can understand. Within the series, Golden Gun is mid-tier for me. Yes, it has some funny lines. Many scenes should have a reflect-the-attitudes-and-humour-of-the-times warning plastered all over it, and some of the best scenes between Bond and a head villain. But the film does feel middle-of-the-road and without any lasting spark. When pre-production started for The Spy Who Loved Me, Guy Hamilton was in line to direct. Then due to the Saltzman issue and the interfering little Tinker McClory, Guy left. No offence to Guy Hamilton at all here as he directed two of the finest Bond films, but I think it was right he stepped down. The energy appeared to be flagging with Golden Gun, and it needed a director who'd been away for a while, or indeed a new director, to take the chair. And what a choice they made. I've seen Spy on the big screen, and I'm just as excited again to enjoy its spectacle. All the best, guys. Pretty lady, 100 bar. No, no. 80 bar. 60 bar. Pretty lady, real elephant. 60 bar. Missy, yes, sir. Sonny, I'll give you 20,000 baht if you can make this heap go any faster. 20,000 baht! I'm afraid I have to owe you! Okay, so it's the day after I watched The Man with the Golden Gun at the cinema, and oh my goodness. Oh, it just, it's so good. It's so entertaining. I laughed quite a few times to myself during the showing. There was probably about, I think, 10 people in there. A few laughs I could hear about. I think the two main ones, I think, well, the, the one that got the biggest laugh, the biggest laugh was uh, Chew Me, <laughs> which, of course. And the one I, that I distinctly remember was Nick Knack falling from the ceiling at the end when he sees when he spies good night and bond in bed so that was another laugh for people but you know that entire scene is very humorous anyway as is the chew me scene the moment the golden gun is one that i think is chastised a lot i think you know it has many elements that people would presume or think just are not right for bond whether it's the humor it's potentially a bit lowbrow in places, has some stereotypes in there and has, you know, characters being, you know, potentially, well, no, actually being racist. But, you know, if at least in, in the latter, you know, the case of J.W. Pepper, you know, we laugh at him. We are laughing at this character. If I don't laugh at him and agree with him, you laugh at him and go, oh, 
you know, he's really out of his own world and really would not survive in this day and age if he was about. But yeah, I mean, to to see the, the barrel roll on the big screen was just something. I think, you know, the whole cinema was quiet. Not that, you know, there was many people to be quiet, but I mean, it's just that silence and just hearing it happen. Yes, I've mentioned the slide whistle, but it just works for me. It really does. It You know, it, it, the, this film has a distinct feel. You know, I think a bit less down to earth than live and let die but it's not as outlandish as the spy who loved me it's a real mix of ideas and things in this film which i think is to its benefit and not for the benefit it makes it unique each bond film is unique in its own way anyway but i think with the man with the golden gun it's just at such a weird time for you know mostly behind the scenes with what's going on with broccoli and saltzman and just kind of the direction that bond is going you know you have a film that's coming out directly a year after live and let die they haven't done yearly releases since thunderball so they're doing that so yeah i guess there's a bit of a rush here and you, i think you can you can tell a little bit but i think it's such a fun joyous ride that i really can't complain something that i noticed you know again there wasn't too much that i noticed now on the big screen but i did notice when bond was talking to money penny i was like oh my goodness we've not seen we've not seen the office since since on a majesty's secret service it's been you know five five years really since that's appeared and I found that kind of shocking that it that it, it had been that long. So it's kind of nice to see that office again. You know, it's nice to see Money Penny like this again. You know, it's kind of becoming aware that she isn't going to be, you know, having <laughs> quite a good time in the spotlight over the next two films where she's really just pushed into the background more so, which is a shame. Something about Bernard Lee I did want to bring up actually because I a lot of people say that how angry he is in this film, which I think, yes, he is angrier than he usually is. But I think, you know, aside from the odd jab, you know, he does have, you know, he is has his one or two nice moments as well. But really, the, the whole team that he's got working for him have just made things a mess or are just not on top of things. So I can understand his reasons for being angry. I kind of enjoy it, actually. <laughs> I like it when M's being a bit more senior like he he is the boss and if his team are not doing what needs to be done i think especially in in his uh second to last scene penultimate scene when um he's speaking with hip and bond and they're explaining about what's happened with goodnight and scaramanga and the solax and he's like of all the foulest yeah like he's it was a simple operation i think we as viewers and audience as an audience can understand his frustration they literally had the solax they had it all could have this mission could have been over <laughs> but goodnight had the keys to the car she had the solex and then she got pushed into the car and then that was it so you know i understand his frustration i do find it funny so lieutenant hip is not <laughs> is again he's so it really doesn't do too well in this film in terms of actually supporting you know he is with Gibson when Gibson dies, doesn't get the Solex then. He helps Bond get into High Fat's complex and he transports him around. He then leaves him during the getaway whilst his nieces are presumably saying, oh, you've left him, that's a weird thing. And then again, he gives the Solex a good night and presume that it's the car keys for his car that he drove so he gave his his car keys to her i don't know but it's he doesn't do so well yet i love his performance i love i love he's just so 
chirpy a lot of the time and clearly brings some information, he brings something to the team. But yeah, unfortunately, he doesn't have a great show in. But I would put him up there as, you know, one of like the better allies just in terms of him being fun. <laughs> Hi-Fat, I think, is an interesting one because he doesn't have much screen time. And I don't know if we're supposed to be led to believe that he might be, you know, a bigger bad or, what, or whatever. But I like that he's just so cutthroat, straight to the point about things. It's kind of a shame that he goes the way he does, but it's such an iconic moment for Skymanger and the Golden Gun specifically and to show it being put together so smoothly. I think, I can't remember if it's the behind the scenes where, where um, Christopher Lee mentions about like how difficult it was or someone else mentions how difficult it was for him to put that gun together. But it looks so smooth and then just the end, just the ending of that and then just mentioning the, the callback to the mausoleum. I just think it's really fantastic. Maybe the, the actual story, the plot, you know what's actually going on with the energy crisis is a bit shoehorned in with with the actual story that is going on and it doesn't bother me too much but then it's like i was thinking what is the actual end goal here i do prefer that it's just kind of like a bond v skymanger thing and that maybe skymanger had his own thing and then bond just intervenes because of andrea again maud adams she steals the scenes that she's in i really feel for her i really gets you know this vulnerability this kind of helplessness but also hope i just think it's a real shame what happens and that really the last time she's mentioned is when scamanga says oh don't worry about the girl she's she's replaceable <laughs> and it's like all right okay uh, moving on so that's a bit rubbish for me but yeah all in all it, it was it was so much fun i mean it's in my top 10 i don't think it will ever go out of the top 10 really because it's just it's for nostalgia reasons, but also just as a piece of entertainment, I don't get bored by this film. I think it has enjoyable elements, it has some elements that I'm not a massive fan of, yet with the good elements that are there, it pushes forward, it pushes through for me. I think 70s Roger, I think I said it's kind of like my favourite era, and I think, you know, compared to 80s Roger, not that I don't like those films, but I think I just love how kind of how different these films are all four of his first films that are in the 70s just feel so different but it's still so very enjoyable and just so distinctly bond so distinctly roger maybe part of that is because of john glenn's influence in the 80s which of, of course is a great thing but i love kind of the diversity and the different places different things that are going on in these films so yeah the man with the golden gun fantastic you know can't really praise the film anymore i think it's just so good yeah we're moving on to the spy who loved me which is another one that i'm so so excited about i mean this is you know for some the pinnacle of bond you know it's number four in my list so it's very high up for me i really hope i can watch it with the really double seven guys or at least or at least one or two of them just because i think this is this is one that you really should watch with other people i want to get people's reactions when we all watch the the parachute for the first time on the big screen there's the tanker you know liparous that you know the car chase there's so much in the spy who loved me so i cannot wait to watch that i cannot wait to share my thoughts about it and yeah i hope everyone had a, an amazing time watching the man with the golden gun and hope that they enjoy the spy who loved me the same or even more so i'll speak to you soon <laughs> What are they teaching that school? Ballet dancing? I find nothing remotely amusing about Mr. Bond's escape. You underestimated him. 
Even my influence doesn't extend into the British Secret Service. I shall lie low too. I don't intend to jeopardize a project in which I've invested half my fortune when it's ready to yield billions. And where will you hide out? That does not concern you. Take this. Return it to the plant and don't leave there without my permission. May I remind you that you work for me. I took you on as a junior partner to be an occasional convenience, nothing more. I did not hire you to interfere in my affairs. Is that clearly understood? Oh, yes, very clearly. I now regret having even considered employing your services, but that is beside the point. Bond doesn't know you're in Bangkok. He's never seen you, but he knows me. That's the problem. There's no problem. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. What happened? Mr. Fat has just resigned. I'm the new chairman of the board. He always did like that mausoleum. Put him in it. Hi, it's Chris Gofield from Nelson. Uh, Sunday I made my now becoming a pilgrimage trip to Preston View Cinema to watch the latest James Bond offering. This week, The Man with the Golden Gun. I really enjoyed this film. There's a lot to like. Yes, it's not perfect, but from what I consider to be a great Bond song, I love the Lulu track, I think it's great, to Roger Moore just gliding through this film and making James Bond his own. Christopher Lee, pure menace, pure Bond's equal, brilliant. I uh, enjoyed the car chase, even though I complained about Damazar forever being a bit cannibal-esque. I thought the car chase in this through the uh, city centre was uh, reminding me of sort of like French Connection Bullet. It was very gritty. The stunt, obviously, where he turns the car, awesome, fantastic. I just really enjoyed this. I've got to say that the print uh, quality, this restoration, these films just look great. They really do look fantastic. And they look even better, bigger and bigger on the big screen. How else could you see uh, the entire camera crew in the reflection of the mirror at one slight moment if you weren't watching on the big screen? Um, anyway, I could go on for ages. I just wanted to say I really enjoyed watching this. I'm thoroughly looking forward to Spy Love Me. I think that's going to be an absolute banger. Anyway, hope everybody else is enjoying this treat we've got for the next few months. And uh, keep up the good work, guys. Podcast is brilliant. Bye. If you're enjoying this episode of Really 007, Find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. You can also download more episodes from iTunes, Spotify or our new YouTube channel. Du bat bon love. 
Tu bats pas, oui. Tu bats pas, on lève. Hello folks, it's Rob here, and after the raging success that was going to see uh, Live and Let Die last week, uh, the kids wanted to go and see The Man with the Golden Gun. So, here we are with some thoughts. Robin, you are, just to remind everyone, you are four, aren't you, Robin? Yeah. What did you think of Man with the Golden Gun? Good. Good, yeah. What was your favourite bit in Man with the Golden Gun? Knick-knack. Knick-knack. <laughs> knick-knack. Yes, I thought it was. Could you do a knick-knack impression? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll file that for another time. But what was it about Knickknack you particularly liked? When he did his little wave. Oh, the little wave when he was in the car as it was about to take off. Yeah, that was very good. And what did you think about James Bond in this one? Was he any good? Yeah. Yeah, he was good. Really thinking about this one, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> if anything springs to mind, shout up. Sylvia, what about you? What did you think about the man with the golden gun? It was bad. It was bad. Why was it bad? Because there were bad bits in it and boring bits in it. And boring bits? Which were the boring bits? When they were just talking. So, uh, too many talking scenes in The Man with the Golden Gun. But what about all the funny bits that you were laughing at? I did like when Nick knack and did the little wave. The little wave that you're all obsessed with. <laughs> Lovely. But you, you were laughing so much about Nick knack weren't you? You thought that Nick knack was... Lieutenant, well, Lieutenant Hip's son, didn't you? <laughs> Do you remember? What? Do you remember when the, the the detective, you thought that he was his daddy? Oh, yes. Yes. And what was the other thing that you really liked about Man with a Golden Gun? Uh, when about, he did the wave. When he did the wave, yes. But what about the bit that was on James Bond's chest? Um, not on his chest, it was on someone else's chest. And what was it? Uh, Fennable. Fennable, yes, yes. It's pointy. <laughs> 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 yes, any other thoughts on the man with the golden gun? It was terrible. Terrible. Dear me, Sylvia. I don't know whether that's completely accurate. So, Ava, what about you, the man with the golden gun? What did you think? I thought it was really good, actually. Good, good. And what did you particularly enjoy about it? Knick-knack and the wave and the car. <laughs> there is a running theme here. But what about, you know, the action and the locations? What did you think of all that stuff? Oh, the island and the bad guy HQ was cool. That's yes, it. yes. Where Scaramanga was based. A really cool place, isn't it? Yeah. And what about Roger Moore in this one? What did you think about him? He was good, yeah. He's he was good, good, yeah. Quite colder in this one, wasn't he? Yeah, I think it's funny how he's so calm. Yeah, he's, he's almost preternaturally calm, isn't he? Yeah, I'd be screaming the head off. <laughs> but he, he, um, he's, uh, do you still think he's a good James Bond, watching his second one? Yeah, I haven't seen the, the, any other people, but he is actually very good. Yes, yeah, so I suppose we're starting you off with Roger, aren't we? Excellent stuff. Thank you very much, Ava, that's wonderful. Um, for, my, uh, for my money, I would say that The Man with the Golden Gun is completely underrated. I really enjoyed watching it. I got totally swept up in the locations, the action, the espionage. It's completely bonkers. It's bananas. There's so much mad stuff going on. There are some weird missteps going on from time to time with it as well. But it's all forgiven in the sort of raucously good time that I'm having. I really, really enjoyed it. Bond is a really cold guy in this one. He's probably the coldest, I think, he is in the entire sort of... Well, probably in the series to date, I would have thought. You know, he's he's got no 
qualms with being a bit inappropriate to get the job done. So, yeah, all in all, very, very interesting. Great to see it again. Uh, I'm loving watching it with the children. And it's, again, reminding me just how great it is that I can uh, share these movies with my kids. Until next time, because I know they want to see The Spy Who Loved Me. Over and out. So, The Man with the Golden Gun. That used to be one of your favourites, didn't it? Mm-hmm. What do you think of it now? Maybe, like, second favourite. Okay. And Octopus is your favourite, isn't it? No, actually, third favourite. Third favourite. Mm-hmm. So what was it about Man with the Golden Gun that you loved, or still mm. love? I liked the Golden Gun. Yes, I agree, I agree with you. I think Scaramanga's gun yeah. is possibly the best gadget, one of the best gadgets in the Bond series. What the baddies have. Yes, yeah, okay. So Scaramanga, what do you think of him? I think he's also one of the best villains. Yeah, yeah. And anything else that you liked about um, Man with the Golden Gun? I like the end. The end? Will they have the, the jewel in the fun house? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And then James Bond uses his brain, doesn't he? I didn't know it was a fun house. Well, you know? it is called the fun house. But the, doesn't he, because obviously for some strange reasons, Scaramanga's got a wax work of James Bond in his home. Obviously Bond gets dressed up, doesn't he? Fools, Scaramanga. What does he do this? Yes, he does. He, hold, he bends his fingers so it looks like they've, they've been shot off, like at the beginning. Yeah, but how did he know they've been shot off? Did he see them? That's really good. Well, he must have seen them when he took the uh, the jacket off the waxwork and hid it, and then was stood up in his in his, and he stood up in his place. But yeah, I, that bit, the whole jewel at the end is is really great fun, and it's great to jewel. see. Yeah, jewel. That's what it is with the fight. And to see them, you know, on the island and see James Bond and Scaramanga sort of face off. I just wish there was maybe a bit more of that. I think I think whenever they're on screen together, I think the film really is, is excellent. What do you think about J.W. Pepper arriving on holiday? Yeah, yeah, good. And what about the, um, what else have we got? I like Good Night, you know, the lady that's in it. Yeah. I think she's treated abysmally by James Bond. I think he's, he's he's very unkind towards her. And I don't think she's nearly as incompetent as people say she is. I think it's like the uh, the Rosie Carver syndrome. But anyway, Man with the Golden Gun was, was a favourite. The music is really good. The song's good. Do you like the song? Mummy hates the song. What do you think of the song? I like it. You like it? Is it one of your favourite songs? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Uh, less enthusiastic this week about uh, Man with the Golden Gun. You don't say that, you mate. Anything else you want to say about Mum the Golden Girl? No, not really. Okay. Well, say goodbye. Bye. Pat's reporting in again. Jolly satisfied from seeing the man with the golden gun. Yes, after unfortunately missing out on living that die, I've finally seen my favourite bonzer Roger Moore charm his way through an adventure on the big screen. And what do you know? The cinema experience has once again worked its magic. I had a very enjoyable evening revisiting this. My feelings on Golden Gun have improved drastically. Now, I'll concede that the plot is sometimes messy, and there are some uncomfortable moments where Moore's Bond is clearly written with the toughness and unlikable aspects of Connery's portrayal, but I've really been reminded of the reason I got into the Bond films in the first place, particularly the uh, fantastical ones where Bond's world is pretty much ahead of ours uh, technologically. With the atmosphere that a cinema viewing creates, it's actually quite easy to relax into the film's pacing, which I thought was very smooth this time around. The set pieces are all nicely spread out. There are plenty of fun jokes courtesy of the brilliantly witty Tom Mankiewicz. Speaking of which, I was at an Odeon cinema this time, and the audience I was with was bigger than most of the other showings I've been to, interestingly enough. 
I have a feeling that was perhaps because a good deal of them were Bond fans, like myself. So, you know, there was a few chuckles and snorts to the one-liners that enhanced the entertainment factor. I was particularly enjoying myself during the karate school segment. Hip, driving off without Bond aside. Anyway, that part not only combines some fun humour with the girls defeating high-fat martial arts students, but it also does a very nice job of, you know, not turning Bond into a superman. You know, because he's aware that he can't win against Tula, and he would do better to just get the hell out of there by jumping out the window. So it's in keeping with the depiction of Bond in Guy Hamilton's films as an imperfect and flawed individual who needs just his wits and his courage to survive and not have to constantly rely on gadgets. Now, I praised him when I was talking about Diamonds Are Forever, so I'll do it again. Hamilton's track record as a Bond director may not be as clean as others, but I found his style very technically accomplished here. There are all sorts of little shots that feel super well thought out, like when Bond's adjusting his tie outside the Bottoms Up Club and he sees Nick Knack approaching in the TV monitor. And then, of course, the brilliant suspense in the rest of the scene where Scaramanga's in the shadows and it looks like he's about to kill Bond. One of the finest examples of Hamilton's directorial style, I would say. Now, I've never been to Hong Kong or Thailand. Well, any of these films' locations, to be fair. I would very much like to one day. They look very good on the big screen. My grandfather once told me that he actually visited the real Bottoms Up Club in Hong Kong back in the 1970s. Anyway, the obvious star of the whole thing, aside from Roger Moore, is without a doubt Christopher Lee. He's the best of the Moore-era villains, for sure. Adapting him from the fog in the novel to a dark side of Bond character was the right move, because he's equally charming as he is menacing, and he captivates you every time he takes centre stage in the film. That dinner scene where he sneakily assembles the golden gun right in front of Bond? Brilliant. So, that's the man with the golden gun. Maybe it will now go up in my rankings, I don't know. But I continue to be impressed at how these cinema viewings enhance the experience. And I can't wait for the re-release of my ultimate favourite of the series, The Spy Who Loved Me. For Roger Moore is, and always will be, James Bond 007. Here's Bridges Two Mile Bank. I sure am, boy. Never heard of evil can evil. <laughs> I've never done that before. Neither have I, actually. So we have just seen Man with the Golden Gun on the big screen at the Odeon once again. We are now foursome this evening, myself with Bob Foster and with Kieran Rashad, and young Christoph has joined us as well. Hello, Hello sir. Uh, so, Chris, let's start with you. What did you think about the movie this evening, Connor? I liked it more than I liked Diamonds Off Forever. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's get out of the car immediately. <laughs> Not without its faults, but yes, it's good. I like it. I think it gets a bit of an unfair press. I think yes, so. Yes, it does. 
what was was there anything? I mean, I oh, know we were just having a brief chat about whether there was anything that stood out. There was nothing. We didn't spot anything extra, did we? Or there was nothing that no. apart from visually, there was some visual yeah, bits. It's that you... just the, the sheer size of the scenes mm. that uh, was impressive on the big screen, and the and the car chase. Yes, mm. on the on the big screen as well. That that was very impressive. Um, and seeing the island when he when he when he flies up to the island, mm. it looked very very good in, on the big screen. I, that's one point I did think I'd, I'd forgotten how they obviously obtained that shot when that seaplane lands mm. the shot is from above so it's obviously a helicopter presumably taking that shot but the, you see the entire thing and then burst into the water and then it go on for a bit it's, it's a it's a lovely piece of photography um and of course we all we all spotted um roger really not standing very still <laughs> yes. at the start of the movie uh, pretending to be a waxwork dummy. He's all now. The, the other thing, which had been playing on my mind for a number of occasions, but um, Roger is in the funhouse at the start, right? And I don't care how many people say he's not. He is. He's in the funhouse for a moment as the cowboy, yeah. right, shooting. And then there's another shot uh, where his um, his stunt double Les Crawford takes over. But he he's there most definitely. Um, but that was good to see. What about uh, uh, you, my friend? Go on ahead. It's a glorious romp, this one. I love this film. It's one of my personal favourites. It was probably the second one I ever saw properly, uh, along with Live and Let Die, so it always holds fond memories for me. And to echo what these guys say, it's nothing especially new, um, certainly not from the musical perspective, although this score is criminally underrated, I have to say. Yeah, I think it's a superb it score. Excellent, um, excellent score. Absolutely, but yeah, as Bob said, it's just the magnitude of seeing it on the big screen. The only thing I noticed that was new, and I said to these guys, when he's on the beach at the beginning of Scaramango and he has his Guinness in one hand, he's holding an oyster in his left, yeah, which I think's wonderfully juxtaposed, but uh, still, no, fabulous film, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed seeing it on the big I screen. I mean, Roger's really warmed into the part for this Definitely. one he's really in his stride now Definitely. and I, I was saying to the guys earlier he looked younger in this one than he even did when he was in the persuaders yes um well it was either makeup or how he's had his hair cut but uh, yes, he does look very youthful, and he, again, he's, he's all this while he's, he's older than Connery. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That we, we we hadn't spotted that there was any additional musical cues. You're no, normally quite no, keen on the whole no, musical cue. Even thing, even notes I was noticing before, but not on this one. No. Exactly. Uh, what about uh, what about you, Chris? Any any additional bits I on it? I didn't realise when Chimi goes bye how badly dubbed that was. Thin <laughs> <laughs> on the big screen. Yeah, um, that's true. The interesting debate is, does anyone else feel that Rodney, played by Mark Lawrence at the beginning, is the same character from Slumber and Diamonds? Rodders, you plonker. Um, I think he's got to it's be, got to be hasn't I it? would say so. He's effectively is he credited as Rodney in this? He he's not, is he? he in is. this? Yes, yeah, so his character name is credited as Rodney. Oh, Rodney. Right. Well, there you go, then. But he's not, he's not credited as Rodney in Diamonds, though, is he? No, he's Dave in... Diamonds. Oh, is it Dave? <laughs> Diamond Dave. Hello, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so, so it's an interesting debate. But there's, yeah. yeah, there's there's some there's some it's a fun film. This mm. one. with an excellent villain in with it, uh, oh, Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. I, I said to these guys before, he, he, he has to be my favourite. Yeah, um, he's very very, very, good. very well. 
the 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 other thing that's in, uh, interesting, I think, is there was quite a few people in there tonight Absolutely. in that screening, yeah. mm. and uh, M was getting lots of laughs. Yeah, yeah. M's lines were very very. M's good. laughs. Were, M's lines were very yeah. funny. You know, there was a lot. There were, and I genuinely think there was lots of people in there who hadn't seen the movie yeah. at yeah. all before. Yeah. And again, you know, we we talk about how successful these films are. We know them, you know, line by line, yeah. but there are people who maybe haven't seen them or, or aren't as familiar with them and those gags that they write yeah. they put in they still yeah. land every yeah, time absolutely. you know yeah there was a woman behind you wasn't there Kieran mm. it, was, it did sound as though she hadn't heard any, any yeah. of it before and, and you know what it was actually refreshing to yes, see how was. many new people seemed to be enjoying it and it laughing was. at it yeah. because the, obviously the humour's different nowadays but people can still laugh at it which yeah. is what is what's wonderful about and, you know uh, uh, never mind darling your time your turn will come that got a laugh as well you know uh, oh, I've lost my charm not I've, <laughs> all of those know. great lines and, yeah. it's, it's just it's Roger's repartee it's just it's just delivered to perfection yeah it's amazing how you do get different meanings as you get older watching these films absolutely yeah, yes. yeah. 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 No, quite right and kind of sidetracking a bit I was talking to a chap at work the other day who's started watching all the Bond films in order on Amazon uh huh uh-huh. And it literally just got to the man with the golden gun, and he was saying how he always thought the Bond films were cliched old hat, and yet watching them in order, he's surprised at how they seem to chart like the progression of history. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah the cinema. Yeah. yeah, they're certainly they're certainly typical seventies now, with obviously yes. the dress. Way everyone dresses yeah. and hairstyles. Definitely, you'd want to you'd want to be a fly on the wall in the wardrobe department when <laughs> yeah. when uh, Roger says, "Right, I'm going to be wearing black trousers, yeah. white shirt with a black tie." Um, what about that that grey jacket over there with the red? vertical yeah. and horizontal stripes. I think I'll wear that one. It's a bit odd choice, and yet he carries it off. Yeah, you know, that's does. the thing. Chumi's wardrobe was very Chumi's sparse. Chumi's wardrobe was very sparse. <laughs> and that's the, that's the line that um, really got a snigger. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the way, it's yeah. the way she says says her name, states it boldly, and he's uh, like, really? really? Yeah. And, and, and another thing that struck me with the titles is obviously we know that uh, Binder liked his naked women, but the, um, the, like, the gunshots and the flowers weren't quite on <laughs> just the parts just, where they should have been. Just off centre, weren't they? Yeah. 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 Uh, Morris clearly saying to yeah. himself, I'm going to get oh, this yeah. through the censor. This yeah. will be fine. Nobody's going to worry about it. We're all smoke and mirrors, lads. Smoke and mirrors. And now we know why he always left it till the last minute. To yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they couldn't change it. The film premiere is just about to happen and Morris is still working on his titles. It's brilliant. But uh, yes, another another big thumbs up, I think. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. For that. Um, yeah, and, my, my uh, favourite scene still is where you see um, Scaramanga making his uh, golden gun up in high fats ah, yes, yes, yes. office. I think it's a fabulous scene, that is. Yeah. And again, the music, like you said, yeah. the soundtrack is, does help to build the tension yeah, in that scene. Definitely. Likewise, in the scene where they're outside the bottoms up, probably you can see him taking yeah. aim, yeah. not yeah. at Bond, as we find out. But and a again, question that I asked you at the time, that moment, that music in the Bottoms Up Club, is that it does um, sound Alex, Alice Cooper? Is that an Alice Cooper? It does, track? Does, does anybody know? Does anybody know? It's maybe if somebody knows, maybe they can answer that question. If that is, you know, the because connection he did, he with did, Alice Cooper, uh, he did put forward a, a, a theme. That's right, tune. Um, too little, too late. Too oh, little, the, too the late. other thing that was very interesting is also yeah. the the title song. 
because obviously it revolves around Scaramanga, but then I yes, never realised yes. this until literally days ago, the closing song revolves around Bond, yes. so it's, all, it's almost bookended, which I think is genius. Yes, James is. Bond is here, quite mm. right. So, um, so a little uh, nugget yeah. that I never so, knew existed. Yes, on to that. the Spy Who Loved Me, yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're doing the Spy Who Loved Me, boys, are you? I, I'm, I would separate cinemas. Oh, separately, right. I'm afraid. Yeah, and so back, to, back to widescreen, hopefully. Back to widescreen. Exactly. And, uh, hopefully then we'll keep the British end up. We'll maybe, uh, we'll maybe attempt re-entry for Moonraker, then, if that's the case. Uh, that's my plan. Uh, so, uh, until next time, we bid you a fond adieu. Goodbye. Good evening. Trevor Baxendale gave us his latest thoughts, this time on The Man with the Golden Gun. That film, I think, has been the most improved experience I've had of a Bond film on the big screen. It really, really seemed to come together. Where it lacks in some polish, it gains in sheer ballsy momentum. Like Diamonds Are Forever, it doesn't really care what you think of it. There are just so many perfect little touches and iconic moments. It doesn't quite have the breezy coolness of Live and Let Die or the electric confidence of The Spy Who Loved Me. But it's another two hours worth of Roger Moore as James Bond and that's good enough for me. Christopher Lee's Scaramanga is so charmingly urbane that his psychotic circus background undertones become ever more sinister until he finally meets his match in a gaudy hall of mirrors, mind games and midgets. I love how Scaramanga's funhouse is foreshadowed by MI6's temporary HQ in Hong Kong Harbour with its odd angles and skewed rooms. The audience I shared this film with tonight seemed to love it and there was certainly plenty of laughs. But on a personal note, I have now seen every James Bond film at the cinema, thanks to this terrific 60th anniversary opportunity. Next up is where I came in, in 1977, The Spy Who Loved Me, the first Bond film I saw at the pictures. My seat is booked, my Union Jack parachute packed. Nobody does it better than Bond on the big screen. Excellent. Slightly reminiscent of a 34 Mouton. Then I must add it to my cellar. You uh, live well, Scaramanga. As a million dollars a contract, I can afford to, Mr. Bond. You work for peanuts. A hearty well done from Her Majesty the Queen and a pittance of a pension. Apart from that, we are the same. To us, Mr. Bond, we are the best. There's a useful four-letter word. And you're full of it. When I kill, it's on the specific orders of my government. And those I kill are themselves killers. Oh, come, come, Mr. Bond. You disappoint me. You get as much fulfillment out of killing as I do, so why don't you admit it? I admit killing you would be a pleasure. You should have done that when you first saw me. But then, of course, the English don't consider it sporting to kill in cold blood, do they? Don't count on that. <laughs> I could have shot you down when you landed, but that would have been ridiculously easy. You see, Mr. Bond, like every great artist, I want to create an indisputable masterpiece once in my lifetime. The death of 007, mano a mano, face to face, will be mine. You mean stuffed and displayed over your rocky mantelpiece? 
That's an amusing idea, but I was thinking in terms of history. A duel between titans. My golden gun against your Walther PPK. Each of us with a 50-50 chance. Six bullets to your one. I only need one. Sounds a bit old-fashioned, doesn't it? <laughs> Pistols at dawn, that sort of thing. Indeed it is, Mr. Bond. But it still remains the only true test for gentlemen. I doubt if you qualify on that score. However, I accept. As soon as I finish this delicious lunch that Nick Knack has prepared for us. Bond fan Callum McKelvey gave us his thoughts on The Man with the Golden Gun. When it comes to the Bond films, I definitely describe myself as something of a 60s boy. Those are the films I really return to the most. Those are the films I re-watch the most. And as a result, there's a small handful which I just haven't gone back to that much. And Man with the Golden Gun is definitely one of those films. As a result, I think I've been swayed by a lot of lists and ranking videos which call this one of the absolute worst Bonds, bottom of the barrel Bond, an objectively terrible film, and the only saving grace being Christopher Lee's Scaramanga. However, one of the real joys for me of getting to see these films on the big screen is also getting to see them with my partner, who's seen them for the first time and is really giving me a sort of fresh take on these films, um, a fresh way to, to view them. And we both came out of Man With A Golden Gun last night, genuinely quite impressed and having really enjoyed ourselves. Last week's screening of Live and Let Die actually left me quite cold. It was a film which I had a lot of problems with. I felt that it didn't really do a very good job of balancing action and plot, and particularly towards the sort of latter half of the film, it quite literally gets bogged down in the swamp with a bayou boat chase that just goes on and feels, you know, stretched really quite thin. Man with the Golden Gun, on the other hand, I thought had quite an interesting plot, some genuinely new things that we haven't seen before, and did a really good job of balancing quality action sequences with interesting character moments and some really quite deliciously dark humorous dialogue. One of the highlights of this for me was the sequence in which Scaramanga relates his past and tells Bond the story of the elephant and the elephant trainer and how he discovered that he, he loves killing people even more than he loves animals. Something lifted, you know, straight out of Fleming and which I felt was just such a, a real highlight of the film in the way that that was translated. One of the things that makes this dialogue so good is the film's cast of characters. Christopher Lee's Scaramanga is rightly viewed as one of the all-time great villains. You can see that Christopher Lee himself is just really enjoying getting to play something else other than Dracula and just having a ball playing this, this dark side of Bond. That was an element which really interested me and which felt really fresh compared to the previous films in the franchise up to this point. I don't think they go into it as much as they could have. I think they really could have gone down that road and gone quite far, but what we get is good, and I don't think you know there's anything wrong with that. I think that Christopher Lee really seizes on this, this dark side of, of Bond aspect, and the film does a good job of portraying him as a real threat. Um, I think the choice of opening you know, the pre-title sequence without Bond and focusing solely on Scaramanga, introducing him, I think it's a really brave choice and a really good choice and really sets him up as just this, this threatening, strange presence throughout the rest of the film. Bad points, 
I don't think that Brecklin's Mary Goodnight is one of the best Bond girls. In fact, I think she's the worst thus far. I don't think that has anything to do with Brit Eklund. I think she's good with what she's given, but she's really not given anything at all. Her character seems to just be what someone might expect a Bond girl has to be. She doesn't really add anything at all to the plot and is just there to scream, be rescued and have sex with James. And it really was not an element that I enjoyed at all. Maud Adams, on the other hand, I thought was just fantastic. I really enjoy her in both of her Bond films. I do prefer her in Octopussy, but I think she's great here. Knickknack is, of course, fantastic and makes a really good pairing with, with Scaramanga. And I, I love just some of the moments between those two. I think Roger Moore is far better here, controversially, than in Live and Let Die. Yes, there are some really awkward moments where they've tried to, you know, squeeze him into Sean's shoes and it just isn't working. I always wanted to take a slow boat from China. But I think he himself seems a lot calmer in the role and seems to be really enjoying some of the, the really sort of off-the-wall humour and dark humour in this film, um, which I don't think was there as much in Live and Let Die. I don't think he was really given that room to play with the comedic side. Overall, I really enjoyed Man with the Golden Gun. It's gone right up in my rankings. I think that it's a solid Bond film. It's a really fun watch. I think it has some fantastic locations in Thailand and Hong Kong. It has a great John Barry score. And say what you will about that Lulu song, I kind of love it. And all in all, I just I really enjoyed myself with this film. I think it deserves so much more praise than it gets. So, Math and I have been separately this week to watch The Man with the Golden Gun. I personally haven't seen it since we did the review back at the start of 2021. I prefer to save you know, the films that I love the most. Um, <laughs> but if ever there was a film to break the habit with, it would be The Man with the Golden Gun because it's so iconic. It's so much more than a film. It's sort of a selection of scenes that don't really make much sense cobbled together <laughs> but I don't know perhaps going to the cinemas made me think a bit of it a bit more as a whole but math then went on Tuesday evening yeah is that right yep that's yep. right yeah 
So yeah, just tell us a bit about your experience, Math, watching it at the cinema. <laughs> I went to the Trafford Centre Odeon with Betty, my girlfriend. It was reasonably full. It's quite, it's quite nice. You know, I like, I like going to uh, the one in Bury, and you've got similar people there. But it was nice, you know, to have a different kind of audience. And yeah, it was just, it was just so much fun from start to finish, as the film is. And the audience this time, compared to Little Let Die at, at, at Bury. The audience did seem to be very much enjoying it and laughing at a lot of <laughs> a lot of the ridiculous things that were uh, being shown in front of them. <laughs> yeah, there were there were a couple of women to our right who were laughing an awful lot at, at various things. I don't know whether it was you know an awkward laughter at some points, but to the left of me there was a guy who basically anything that Sh- Sheriff J W Pepper said or did, he was just in hysterics. You know, the the whole cinema just seemed to be enjoying it I, I don't know how you would be able to not enjoy this film to be honest it's just such a a riot from start to finish <laughs> you imagine if you've never seen it before just going into that as a, <laughs> as a as a film never mind as a bond film it does start off as a fairly a good but conventional bond film although again i love how we see the the, the baddie before and his scheme before we see bond mm. bond is only in it on the mission we've, we've no sort of introduction to him as a person or anything like that no. I know we had him in his flats or his apartments in Love and Let Die, but this time it's straight away, isn't it, into the M's office. And yet again, he's in trouble. And it and he's in trouble for the rest of the film, which which prompted a lot of laughs for M's dialogue. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a lot of laughs with, with that as well. Again, you know, I don't want to... Uh, I've been re-listening to our uh, Man With Golden Gun episode, oh. so I would encourage people to go back and listen to all that. But just, yeah... People were laughing at, at when Bond is like, oh, Scaramanga. Oh, the the man with the golden gun, you know, and then he uh, he cockily reels off all this yeah, information yeah. about him. And then the back and forth with them, people were loving that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And that, like you say, continues throughout the film. And with Q, there's just a, a great vibe and, you know, really funny dialogue. Because it's the first film with Roger and Q, isn't it? Because he, he isn't yeah. in Living Like that. Yeah, yeah, fairly inexplicably, he isn't in Live and Let Die, and he's, he's in quite a lot of this and travels about a bit. So, yeah, and, and not just, he's not giving Bond any gadgets, he's doing the other part, of, yes, well, one of the it. other parts of his job where he's, you know, basically analysing equipment or, you know, ballistics and, and all that, so it's it's very good. Like yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I actually noticed more comparisons with Skyfall than I ever have done before in this oh, yeah. film. If you, if you want, <laughs> Go on, I want you to hear these, please, man. Well, perhaps that's a small one, you know, looking at a bullet and analysing that and that leading you to someone else or somewhere else. The fact that the villain has an island that belongs just to them. I know these might seem like small things, but... Th- it's a personal thing for him wanting to kill Bond yeah. and there's a wider thing of yeah. causing chaos, isn't there, that he's less interested in, perhaps. Yeah, and a duel. Yeah, yeah. On the island, and also comparisons between Severine and Miss Anders. Um, in yeah. that they they want and ask Bond to kill the villain so that they can be freed, and in both Bond fails. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so I was quite, <laughs> you know, they're quite different. They're quite different films. <laughs> other than oh. that, but you know, I think it's weird because it, whenever people say, "Oh, I love a Roger Bond." They sort of have that idea in the mind of what a Roger Bond is. Even if you think about The Spy Love Me, which people might think is perhaps the most famous Roger Bond yeah. film, even in that, he's not quite, I mean, he's not really the same as he is in the ones that follow. I just, 
do you think it's do you think it's the same bond in each of them? Because it, even the Sean Connery ones, it's quite a different bond in Times Are Forever. Yeah. To, not to know, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it, you know, it it varies with the tone of the film and what they're trying to do and the stakes and who they're acting opposite. In this one, uh, you know, you can definitely see that he's been directed to be more short-tempered and more sort of brutal. That there is a bit more of a relaxed atmosphere, perhaps. For the next one, but yeah, by the time I think from Moonraker onwards, yeah, he's yeah. really in his groove and he's he's that charming, relaxed, laid back, but does do some fairly when he needs to gets yeah. the information he wants and can be can be ruthless. It's just not the same as like in the in this in the Man with Golden Gun where you know we see quite a lot of it. Yeah, compare the Q, his relationship with the Q to this to in in um, I don't know of Octopussy. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. quite a, quite a different banter. But oh yeah, it's completely it's developed, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and in for your eyes only, you know, when they're doing the um, oh yeah identikit thing with you know identifying Locke, which is a lovely yeah. scene. Sharon, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the audience where where we were, there were a few more. That's the most kids I've seen. So I'm hoping that's because well, one of the, one family there was about uh, yeah the parents are with maybe four kids. And they were pretty much glued to the screen the entire time, and the dad was explaining everything to them. But it is probably one, I don't know, you'd say it's one perhaps that kids would... There's the most weird things in it that would raise a child's attention. A bit like Live and Let Die, there's yeah. so many visual things going on. Yeah, there are a few tonally... Well, there's certainly things for kids, like Gibson getting shot in the head. Yeah. Sander, you can see she's dead. That's pretty shocking, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and the guy at the start gets shot in the head. Yeah, yeah. So it's those those individual kills of Scaramangas which are really good and you know show him up show him to be the skilled marksman and everything that he is. But overall it's not a very violent film. There isn't there isn't loads of action. Some of Guy, Guy Hamilton's films are in, they're not the most action films in the in the not at all. as as we keep saying and as John keeps saying and as Robert Rinder, Judge Robert Rinder answered correctly on Not to be a Millionaire. He only kills one person in this in Scaramanga. So yeah, in, in that sense it's not it's not the most violent film. Even though you see those shots and, and stuff which are quite brutal. It's not the most violent film. Perhaps the more inappropriate stuff is this sort of more smutty <laughs> elements yeah, and yeah. bottoms up and naked swimming pool, you know. We'll get onto that. Um, <laughs> I just had an idea. Do you think they could have shown a scene of Bond on a mission before this fun house where you see him expertly taking out a shot on somebody to sort of show that these two are both incredible marksmen? Maybe, yeah, to show them side by side. Perhaps because, yeah. because obviously he he's... On his assignment is to do with the with Gibson and the uh, energy crisis. So perhaps yeah. something yeah. early on to show him on that mission, and then that that would kind of link them both together. Yeah. But I mean, there's not an awful lot of emphasis on making a coherent story, and <laughs> you know, I don't know, linking everything together. Yeah, I just at the end, what are they trying to stop? Is it? I'm just trying to work this out. That operation will go global with it and can be used yeah well for the energy yeah he talks about people that he could sell to yeah. or people will pay him just not to use it because that would yeah. put them out of business which you know it's all right. it's all quite interesting just a, right. just a few lines of very few lines of science was never my strong point yeah but but the they don't even in live and let die it's sort of only explained fairly near the end can actors yeah, it is scheme. a lot of them are like that where 
we know there's a buddy. We know Bond's got to have stopped him by the end. The rest of it is secondary. Yeah, you know, even even the modern Bond films are the same. We're not as we're not as interested in even Safin's scheme. I know st- no one really knows what that is, but it's more about the encounters between Bond and him rather than. Oh, yeah. I wonder what that means, and I wonder what that would do. Yeah, and you know what he has to do by the end. You need to know that, really. And- oh, and also, in comparison, did you say it with Skyfall that it's a low-key ending in that Bond, it's just basically a Bond and a two or three other people meeting at his home, isn't it? I suppose a bit like we meet at Bond's home, Skyfall, and there's only, like, a couple of people there with him. Yeah. Okay, in Skyfall, he's, he brings some guards with him, doesn't he? Machine guns. And yeah, he, he, he does. Yeah, it's... <laughs> but it's no scheme, you know, Sky, Silver's scheme has ended, hasn't it? Presumably. It, I don't know. Well, it has. It's just to kill just to kill M. Where and it, all the other stuff with killing the agents and all that. And the knock what, list, that's all been forgotten by the Yeah, end. that's... Yeah, okay. Going back to the sort of smuts, I think we've mentioned it in the review that it's, very, it's all very well looking at it through modern lenses, but even with looking at it that, you can have a character of Bond who will slap a woman because he thinks it necessary. It doesn't mean we agree with it as an audience. Yeah. He eventually gets him what he wants. Yes, he really takes advantage of her and of Goodnight as well, but that is part of that is his job. We don't, you know, these are spies. We don't know what sort of stuff goes on. Yeah, and 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 also, you know, Goodnight is 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 also an you know an operative yeah. in that world, so she knows that. If he needs to get him, well, I mean, she should kind of know that if he, I'm not saying he treats it very well, particularly just to point that out, but she should, yeah, she will be aware that he will need to do things in order to get the information he requires. And so, you he know, couldn't kick Anders out, could he? No, no. Oh, because I'm loyal to Goodnight or that wouldn't, no, he wouldn't be a very good agent if he did that. <laughs> I love justifying the man with the golden gun. I'm quite happy to do that. <laughs> yeah. But the obsession with information is, even even Goodnight, when he first meets Goodnight and he goes into the hotel, like, you know, where are you going, James? You know, information or something, you know, as he's yeah. going into the hotel. Yeah, it's just, oh, I absolutely yeah. loved it. Uh, it it raced through the, the running time. It was just such a positive experience. And then and building up to the, the duel at the end, which is such a great idea. I know that's sort of what it should be when it's it's like one person against one person. But yeah. like we say, there's no, like, there aren't, there's no guards. There's just Kra and Nicknack, but they aren't really. So it all builds up to this duel, and yeah. because yeah. of the start, you know that Bond's going to have to go through that funhouse and, and get the better of him. Yeah, and, and it's one where you know how Austin Powers takes the mick out of it. Well, why don't you just kill them now? You you, you buy it that no no because yeah. he really wants a proper yeah absolutely like, because at the beginning with the the gangster guy he. Yeah. tries to make it a bit more difficult challenging for himself. Yeah, absolutely. And he sees this as his masterpiece, so he thinks he'll be defined, even even if just in his own mind, by defeating Bond because he's the most worthy adversary he's ever come across. I, I really I love it and right, yeah. you know, when he's in that plane at the end and the wonderful music flying oh, so yeah. beautiful, you know. Like a man. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's obviously many links to that. I know, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So good. I, I just and I said it at the time. I love the way that. Uh, by the way, I love the music in this film. But the music, oh, yeah. the music went. You know, he's been showing Bond everything, and then this is the part I really like. You know, oh. it, it's pretty. Um, it's pretty passive. It's pretty passive aggressive, if not aggressive, to um, demonstrate the sort of laser gun 
by blowing yeah, it on yeah. the plane because it's basically saying yeah you can't get out of yeah. here now I think with some of the the comedy elements in the middle it is mainly in the middle of the film where it would have been about an hour and a half if it made sense they could have made it sense of it then but yeah. they should have packed it with the statues you know there's no you couldn't do that now there's no explanation for that um, <laughs> Nick now getting dressed up yeah <laughs> who painted his face and all that I don't care about it, but it, I mean, it's it's so iconic. The music is very good for that scene. Oh yeah, <laughs> and giving the sumo wrestler a wedgie, or you know, yeah, yeah. And the then they, off. then they just knock him out anyway, and take yeah. Mister Bond to school. <laughs> we cribbed that, didn't we? In one of our bombs. we did, we yes. did, just to have like, for the same reason, just to have some unnecessary yeah. karate. It, because Dan we, Daniel had some judo outfits. Ah, there we go. Yeah, Chula. Would have been, do you think it would have been nice to see a bit more Chula, maybe? Yeah, well, I noticed he... I mean, I think I've noticed it before. He's on one of the boats that's pursuing yeah, yeah. Bond. <laughs> oh, it's just... Yeah, I mean, it would have been good, but... I mean, I... I just, <laughs> He's no relevance. It's hard to as ascribe normal, uh, normal yeah. critique to this film. <laughs> did get a good laugh when JW was chucked into the water. Oh, yeah. They weren't, they weren't really bothered at my screen. I thought they'd love that. Yeah. Just me laughing. Yeah. And, you know, with some of his, his some of his comments, like I say, the guy next to me was just going, <laughs> poor head. Yeah. yeah. No idea what any of this no, means. Just assume it's massively racist, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can't defend that, but again, we, the audience is meant to be, he is, the audience is meant to laugh at him. Of course yeah, yeah. It's not meant to be, oh, this guy is so witty and erudite. Yeah, you're laughing at him, not with him. And he's pretty poor even in the car. You know, he it's headquarters, you know, and he yeah, believes yeah. him. And then... <laughs> I've been deputised. <laughs> <laughs> so crisp, though, he's involved. I wouldn't, I'd love to know what happened afterwards. You boys never seen an airplane? Yeah, I know, I know. Was it ever explained to him? Is he still at the, the airport in, in the prison, you know, customs? <laughs> you know? Does Bond help him? <laughs> Genius. Oh, we, don't, we don't care, but... Yeah, fantastic Bond film. Looking forward now to The Spy Love Me, which we'll be able to see this week, which has got to be one of the ones which is one of the more cinematic ones, certainly, yeah. of Rogers. Even for the opening pre-title sequence, I think the audience are going to be loving that. And it, and it is a bit like the, we had the experience of seeing Goldeneye, isn't it? That that moment of Bond falling and just yeah. total silence for two of the best stunts in the in the franchise. Absolutely. it's It'll be great to see it because I don't just think it's... You know, it's not just a massive Bond moment. It's a massive cinema moment. Like, yeah. This is a real... A lot of people know that scene and, you know, it just it just is something that needs to be seen on a big screen and I can't wait. Yeah. So we will get back to you for that one. But for now, as, as Matt said, we've got the ridiculously long and silly, appropriately silly Man the Golden Gun review, which you can listen to. And it's now on YouTube. We've also got our latest songbook episode where we discuss the song further. Mm-hmm. With some, uh, with some other people and the song's certainly grown on us I think the film is growing on some people I think we're winning some converts on it yeah. it's usually round about the bottom above maybe Die Another Day and uh, two of the Craig ones and poss possibly Diamonds it's yeah it's, it's probably one. similar yeah but for me that to have those two in anywhere near the bottom well well, someone's got to be at the bottom yeah, they? But yeah. I love them both and they're both very unusual films they are changed. I'm glad we have them. A bond that no one can say is weird or ridiculously stupid next. We've got a proper nuts and bolts, everything packed into yeah. two hours we never want, and no one can complain. I hope they don't. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that, and we will we will speak to you soon, guys. 
Take care. What did you do with him? What do you think? Oh, James, you didn't. Yes, I damn well did. Got all the glass out of the bed, I trust. We don't want anything else to disturb our peace, do we? Thank you, sir. Is Miss Goodnight with you? I'd like a word with her. Hold on, sir. Barn. Barn, are you there? Good night. She's just coming, sir. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, sir. Really, <clears throat> Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.